0: number one cause of death for people living with diabetes is heart disease. The amount of deaths from autoimmune disease in general is actually higher than heart disease, cancer, diabetes. But
1: stress itself is what we need to learn, to balance, to manage. Otherwise, we will die from The consequences of stress.
0: There are other methods for healing or in healthcare than just what we've been taught or programmed.
1: What if we restored mitochondrial function?
0: They don't care
1: at all what happens to your quality of life. So we're talking about the diet style that's most favorably designed to slow the aging process, prevent disease, prevent cancer and dementia and also reverse disease. How do we create spaciousness for ourselves? Every step you take, you go, you evolve. You go, you evolve, you expand your consciousness. You expand your consciousness, you develop more internal power, you become more available, you become more ready. Life then, God gives you more. If you are seeking greater health, wealth, and happiness, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the number one holistic health podcast in the world. Now, here's your host, Best selling author, inspirational speaker, and award winning documentary filmmaker and health researcher, Nathan Crane.
0: Welcome, everybody. Super excited for you to join us here on the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, David Berselli, who is a PhD and an international expert in the areas of trauma, intervention, and conflict resolution. He is the creator of TRE. I've been posting some of these videos on my accounts lately of me doing TRE. I'm going to, we'll show you some examples of it. We're going to talk about what it is. I think it's an incredibly powerful tool that every person should know how to do to help release tension and tightness and even stuck trauma from the body. Um, TRE stands for tension and trauma releasing exercises. And Dave has spent Decades, living and working in countries around the world, providing trauma relief workshops and designing programs for international organizations around the world. Um, he is a um, he's a therapist and he designed, he figured out this methodology through a really unique uh, personal experience and has since helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the world to deal with trauma, which stores as um tension and tightness and often chronic pain in the body and we also know that trauma can lead to neuropeptides being released from the brain into the body and getting stored in the body if we don't release those neuropeptides through certain practices and different things that we can do they can continue to create chronic inflammation and we know chronic inflammation over months and years of time can actually lead to chronic diseases like cancer so It's incredible to learn simple methods, simple ways to empower our own bodies to release these um, these traumas uh, so that we can live free and healthy and feeling good without all the pain. So, David, thank you so much for uh, for joining me here on the podcast.
1: Nathan, I'm excited and delighted to be invited. Thank you.
0: So, um. I'd learned about TRE recently, and you offered uh, a session so I could experience it. So I did a first session in my living room, not knowing what to expect, actually didn't even watch any videos on it. So I didn't see any previous like experiences of the tremors, of the shaking. Like I read your website. I read about you. I'd watched some of your videos teaching and speaking, but I actually somehow didn't actually see any of the tremoring. And I know there's hundreds of videos online of people doing it. So it was, it was interesting because when I first, um, so I didn't have like a visual representation of what we were going to actually do, which I thought for me was pretty cool because once we first started the session, you did it on zoom, just laying down, you know, uh, getting the, 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 core kind of tight and you lift your pelvis up and then, you know, you relax and you guide people how to do this. They can go to your website and learn how to do it for free and we'll, we'll show people here as well, um, the process, but then, you know, the legs start tremoring, the knees start tremoring and it's just automatic. It was such a crazy feeling at first, like, Whoa, my body's just doing this on its own. Um, it's going into this, you know, what, what you call neurogenic tremors as a way, as an autonomic nervous system response, right. That helps the body to start to release this tightness and tension and trauma and it does it all by itself. And then it can start to take over and do it all over the body, which I found unbelievably wild. Um, at times there's even like, you know, kind of sexual feelings in the body, like with the pelvis bouncing up and down. In my case, there are times where like, um, you know, I've done it, uh, I think four times now as a recording of this, I'll be doing it, uh, more times as well. We finally got it up to the shoulders, um, and you didn't know I had like a lot of pain and injuries and problems with my left shoulder. And the and it got up to the right shoulder and it was doing the tremors and like no problem, but the left shoulder was like muted, right? It was like like was we couldn't get the tremor there very well, which then when I told you, yeah, I've got all these injuries and all this tightness and all this pain and stuff, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's going to take a little more time and, and work to get it really into that left shoulder. So, again, we'll give people – some you know we'll try to explain it visually for those who are listening and and hopefully we can show some visuals as well, screen sharing for those who are watching, but give people a little bit of the what is t r e why is it so effective and then let 's talk a little bit about and then we'll share people actually how to do it and what it 's about and then um also, the backstory of how you discovered this is, like, fascinating. I've been telling everybody I know about this lately. I was telling my physical therapist about it this morning. I was showing family and friends and, like, everybody. I'm like, look at this, they're, you know, and they first see it, and they're like, what the heck's going on? But if I explain it, it's like, oh, that sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, it is it is kind of funny because you could explain it. The words make sense. It's even logical. But when you visually see it, or you personally experience it, it changes completely the the concept of the theory. So, and that happened to me, because remember, I'm a clinical social worker. I was living in several countries in the Middle East that were at war. And so I was experiencing that myself and clinical therapy was not effective. You have to know the language, the culture, et cetera. And so, but because of that, my uh, comfort level of thinking I had something to offer in these countries was basically broken. It's sort of my paradigm was broken. But when that paradigm breaks, Nathan, and you know this, we see differently. Something new happens. We might see the same thing we've seen for years, but now we see it differently. So here's a great example of that for all of us. When you get scared, you know that you tremor, okay? You get get frightened. That's it. You start to tremor. We have it even in our phrase, my knees were knocking. If I was frightened right now, you would hear my voice quivering. If I was in a minor car accident and I get out of the car, my hand might be shaking to try to get my driver's license for the police. We all know this. Even in roller coaster rides, you might start to shake or shiver before, during or after the roller coaster. What do we do? We laugh about it. So shaking is normal and natural for the human body. What happened when I was in the Middle East is that when we were there, there was this one moment where there were some mortar shells being shot and they hit very close to me and about four or five other guys. And we were just standing around talking. And as soon as that shell hit, we all ducked like this, meaning we pulled into the fetal response. And I know that fetal response, but it was the first time I couldn't believe we all did it exactly the same way. It was like it was choreographed. You couldn't believe that human beings who had never been taught to do this, we never learned it, the human organism itself knew how to protect itself. That fascinated me because then I thought, well, what's the neural pathway that goes through the nervous system that attaches to the muscles and the fascias that create exactly the same fetal reaction in every human person on the planet. That fascinated me. But then I thought, well, if the organism knows how to do this, it must have an autonomic response to come out of it. Otherwise we would live like this our whole life long. And so that autonomic response to come out of it was a curiosity to me. But then later, a few years later, I was living in another country in the Middle East that was at war. And there was some bombing. And so I went into the bomb shelter and and I had these two kids, two-year-old boys sitting on my lap. They were facing each other. So I had my hands on their backs and they were shivering in terror. And I could feel it in my hands. And I was fascinated by it. Then I looked around the bomb shelter and I saw that all of the young kids were shivering like this uninhibited. But when they got to be about 11, 12 or 13 and they were going through puberty, I could see, oh, my God, their body wants to shake, but they're learning how to control it. And then when I I looked at all the adults and none of them were shaking. So after the bombing was over, we came out of the bomb shelter. I asked the men there. I said, do you guys shake the same way the children do? And their answer was perfect. They said, oh, we don't shake like that because we don't want the children to think we're afraid. And that was like a light bulb going off. That was my answer. We've trained ourselves out of the very mechanism, which is like you said, autonomic, that takes us out of this fear response and brings us back into relaxation again. And so I thought we train ourselves out of shaking because we have a narrative that says you're weak, you're vulnerable, you're like a child, you're insecure, you're nervous, you're afraid. Those, that's the narrative we gave to human shaking. And it couldn't be more the opposite. If a human person is shaking, it means they're alive and they are not afraid. They're actually coming out of fear. So I put those two experiences together. I came back to the United States. I have a friend who's a neurosurgeon and I was telling him about this. So we played with this idea. He already knew from the book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, which talks about animals in the wild who live with a potential life or death threat their whole life. They don't have post-traumatic stress disorder. And the reason is, is because after they've been captured or whatever and they run away, they actually tremor all over their bodies. Now, we see this with dogs, as an example, of have been abused. They'll tremor in fear. Or even in a lightning or thunderstorm, dogs will tremor because of the sound. What they're doing is tremoring out a contraction or an anxiety. And this is a simple discharge. So we as humans have that same thing. Then after that it was to figure out, how do I design a series of exercises that helps evoke this organic natural tremor response in, a, in the safety of somebody's own home, and can it go back into the body in time and release the stressors or tensions that we've been carrying around for years? So the way to, to um, activate the tremor mechanism would obviously be the, the, the opposite of the fetal response. It would be an extension response. And so the last exercise, there are seven of them, but the last exercise is where you lay down on the floor, you open the knees, because part of the fetal response is to close the knees. So you open the knees and what do you do? You pick the pelvis up and you arch the back rather than um, pulling the back forward, okay? And so, and then you saw, you do that for a little bit and that immediately begins to start that tremor mechanism set the pelvis down and slowly close your knees. It gets stronger and stronger. And by its own nature, it seeks out the tight contractions in the structure of the human body and just begins to release them because we're a pulsating a live organism. And that organism only wants to get rid of anything that is not helping to produce life. And that's chronic contraction. You
0: know, I was sharing your story with my PT, my physical therapist this morning, and you know, he he was reminded of when he was pl- um I think he was telling me he was uh it was playing baseball or some sport, something where, you know, he was he was about to go out and he was, you know, nervous, anxious, and he was kind of shaking, right? And and he remembers that like kind of shaking and then but he didn't he didn't like try to stop it. He didn't feel like he had to like force it. You know, that's kind of the th- thing we've been taught as a society as you said it's like don't show fear right and shaking is is a right. sense of fear but in that moment he just kind of i guess embraced it and then went out there and did his thing and did amazing like had you know yes. uh what was incredible and had he and it makes me think you know had he tried to go oh don't show fear you know this is fear and I'm oh I'm getting, like you get that kind of um you know, that dialogue, that self, you know, deprecating dialogue going on in your mind that, oh, you're afraid, oh no, I'm going to do terrible. Then you try to hold it in. And like, you know, everybody's who's ever been in a situation like that knows that you actually perform worse. If you don't embrace, um, that sense of anxiety or nervousness and turn it into excitement, you know, we have that ability someone I've been speaking on, you know, stages in front of hundreds and thousands of people for 15 years and, You know, really early on uh, for for the first eight or 10 years, I would get at first it was fear before going up on stage, even in front of a small group of people, 20 people in a living room. At first, it was like it was it was it was the fear of death. It was like (laughs) it was like worse than the (laughs) fear of death, (laughs) complete and total tunnel vision and, you know, sweaty palms and can't think. And it was just like the worst feeling ever. And then it eventually turned more into like nervousness and anxiousness. Um, but I would, you know, do it anyway. And, and, um, and then it turned, then I realized how to turn that into excitement. And so the energy would go from like nervousness into excitement. And then it just turned into, and then I think just with years of practice of getting out of my own ego and being like, hey, this has nothing to do with you. I'm here to serve the people in the audience and it has nothing to do with me. Like I'm here to help them achieve, you know, the result that they're looking for. Then I go on stage and I just don't have any of that anymore. Like there's no nervousness. I'm always excited, but it's not like the anxious energy, but I could remember too, like, you know, feeling anxious in the back and maybe, you know, sweating and a palm shaking a little bit. So to your point and to him remembering that as well, and I'm sure many people tuning in can have some kind of memory of where you were, you know, kind of shaking, like, What you're saying is that shaking is the nervous system's automatic response to allow the energy to move through us and not get stuck in us. Is that a good way to put
1: it? That's the perfect way to put it. It does allow the body to pulsate as a human organism in its aliveness. Because when we get frightened, we squeeze the pulsation of a living organism. And when we tremor, it actually expands that. And so it allows the pulsation. And like you said, it's aliveness. It's actually excited aliveness. And that's all that it does, really. It's it's quite simple, honestly.
0: Well, I've always felt really bad about my dogs, you know, when the lightning with thunder uh, from the lightning is hitting hard or fireworks, like Fourth of July and New Year's. Like, I actually don't like those holidays anymore, partly because I've always felt really bad for my dogs because for two or three days, they sit there and shiver and shake and drool. And, you know, it's like, I just see them in so much fear. And you told me, you said, well, look at the dogs, you know, they're, they're not fighting back the shivering. Why are they shivering? Why are they shaking? It's because that's exactly what the body's designed to do to move that fear out of them. Yes. They're feeling afraid, but the shaking is the natural response so that that fear doesn't get stuck in them. So as soon as the fireworks are done, they can go on with their life and be be happy and healthy and fine, right? Um, and so it made that's me. exactly right. It made me look at it in a different way than ever before, where I'm like, okay, that's exactly. Nobody taught them not to shake. You know, <laughs> don't yeah. be afraid. Don't shake. Be strong. Whatever it is, and they do it, and it actually, you know, imagine if they're in. fear for 48 hours, you know, 24-7 for 48. Those numbers don't add up properly, but, (laughs) you know, 24-hour fear for two or three days straight and just hold it all in? Talk about building tension and tightness and pain, chronic pain in the body.
1: That's a great example of what humans do. So if I've been in a car accident, even a minor one, but it was disturbing, it was upsetting for me. I come home I don't cry. I don't do anything. I might even drink a glass of wine to calm my nerves down, quote. But three days later, all of a sudden I'll start crying or something will happen um, where the release has to come out. It's desperate to come out. And so it just is a delayed reaction because we didn't let it happen at the time of the event. But the human body will desperately struggle to get out what is not helping it to stay alive. And that's chronic tension.
0: Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning in this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon bestselling book, absolutely free. You can go download it right now at Free. Dot com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. It's so fascinating. Um, you know what I'd love to do? So those who are watching, and then you can, maybe you can describe this for everyone who's watching and listening – Um, I pulled a video from your website from David Bercelli, uh, -bercelli david-bercelli.com for those who are interested on YouTube. And this shows some of the different kinds of tremors that um, you can activate in the body. So maybe you can talk. uh, Can you see this? Okay. Yes. So maybe you can talk through this a little bit and I'll play it uh, with the audio off and you can kind of explain what's going on.
1: Okay. So this man is just a, A businessman, he came to me because he had tension. And so I activated the tremor mechanism in his body and it just starts to shake and it shakes first in the legs and then it goes into the hips, but it'll travel up the spinal column like you saw there. it will just travel up the spine and then it's got to follow the spine. It's got to loosen the neck and the shoulders because the pelvic girdle and shoulder girdle are connected by the spinal column. And so occasionally there, now you see it going straight up his spine rather than wiggling it. See, and it, all it's trying to do is figure out how do I get this human body to pulsate naturally? How do I get it to open up? There's the wiggle. So it moves the spine left and right. And then it moves it vertical up the body. And you see what's going on with him. And as sure. it, he he just feels more and more relaxed.
0: I want to pause right here for a quick second um, because people who see this for the first time, I know I did. You know, I experienced it first, so like, then when I saw it, it made perfect sense. But people who see it before they experience it, there's, there's a lot of different thoughts that go on. One is like, oh, are they under hypnosis? Number two is, are, they, you, know, are you doing this, David? Are you doing this to them? Number three is, um, are they doing it to themselves? They're just moving their body on their own. And, you know, I know the answer to all three of these, and anyone who's ever done it knows the answer as well. Uh, But why don't you answer?
1: Yeah, okay. So it is kind of funny because people look at it, and their first reaction is, well, they're doing that, or I'm doing something to them. So no, they're completely laying there. What it really is is almost like hacking the nervous system is the best way I could describe it. We actually access the nervous system, and the nervous system Moves the structure of the human body. So it's, it's a paradoxical experience. You are in control of an out of control experience. So meaning your body's doing something to you. And just like you said, Nathan, you're almost looking at your body saying, what's it doing? How is it doing this? Why is it doing this? And people are initially very confused because we are so trained to control our bodies and never let go of control. And then all of a sudden you experience not being in control and you're completely confused by it. You mean my body can do something without me? Yes, it can do something without your ego. It's designed to do things without your ego.
0: What's really cool about that as well is, so those are different forms. And you can watch more videos to see the tremor gets activated in different people differently, right? Like if you go to my Instagram, I've been posting them in sections like 10 different short videos showing like different ways the tremors activated in my body where like, you know, it gets into the shoulder or get, you know, the spine or my pelvis is like bouncing up and down on the ground. And, you know, like, so there's, I'm sure a lot of similarities you've seen in working with, I don't know how many thousands of people between the tremors. And I'm sure there's unique differences with every person too. Right. Or do do you pretty much see the same, let's say twelve Patterns or or is it like beyond that?
1: No, you're you're right about that. There's a generic pattern because we all have the same human structural form, two legs, torso, two arms, etc., unless we've had to have something amputated. But we basically have the general same form. So that's what the tremor mechanism has to move through. But each of us all have different contraction patterns according to the traumas and stressors that we've been through in life that we're still holding on to. And so that's what I try to do. I try to read when I'm watching the body, why is that tremor mechanism stuck when I know it should move nice and easy, all the way from the pelvis up to the neck and down to the feet. And it's not doing that. So then it's like, well, what muscle group or fascia patterns inhibiting that and how does that relate to your story of life? So yes, there's a generic movement in the human body, but the um, inhibition of that movement will be unique to each individual's story or their life experiences
0: because of some trauma, some injury, some sports athletic injury, some childhood yeah, adverse any, event,
1: yeah, car it crash. Be two different categories psycho-emotional or physical, but sometimes it could be both of those. A car crash for some people is just a physical thing. For some people, it's a psycho-emotional and physical thing. Childhood abuse might be psycho-emotional only. You lived in fear for 10 years or whatever. It could be psycho-emotional and physical. You were beaten. So it's a sort of an interplay inside the human person as to what's involved, because when I walk, talk people through this, and I'll say, well, your left hip is moving different than your right hip, Do you know why? And they'll say, no, I'm not sure yet. But then about a minute later, they'll say, oh, that was a bike accident I had five years ago, and I hurt my left hip. Now, there's no emotional content with that. It's But there's still a physical inhibition in the structure because it was never fully released.
0: Mm. And I'm gonna go back to your YouTube channel because I think it's so helpful for people to see some of these things visually. This is uh on your YouTube a refugee from Afghanistan is doing TRE. Looks like you have a group session there, people sitting around watching. But usually this is how it starts, right? In the legs, in the hips. Right. Or in the um and, and and the process to start's really easy, like in a few minutes. You know, you just you lift your like you say, feet together, pelvis up off the ground, as you say, opposite of the fetal. So the fetal goes like this and then it's actually open up. That was really brilliant that you figured that out. It active, You can activate this automatic um, tremoring in the body. But you're to, just so people know, you're totally awake. You're totally conscious. You can do it with your eyes open. you don't have to go into a meditation. You don't have to go into, so here it is. Maybe you can talk through this a little bit, but I want to finish that point for people. It's not like you go into hypnosis or meditation or something like that. You're totally, like the first session I did with you, I was like laughing the whole time, asking you questions like, why is this happening? What's going on here? Like, it was just amazing. And you can stop it at any time, which is, you know, really, um, uh, really cool. Like you just, your body goes through what it wants to. And then if you're done like i was like oh i'm getting tired david you're like okay just rest and then i just stop right Right. Um, but you're not actually doing this it's your like you talk about it's it's subcortical right this is basically automatic expression of your nervous system
1: right so we see this guy he's a refugee young refugee this was a training i was giving in austria he's afghani and so he came and I've worked with many refugees. They have tremendous tension in their feet, their ankles, and their legs. I know that. But look at the whole rest of his body. Absolutely nothing is moving.
0: That was like me the first time, the first two times, really.
1: And like many people, the whole upper torso is completely froze. There's no pulsating aliveness there at all. It's all in his legs. That's where his terror is. That's where he had to run from danger. He needed his legs to be highly charged in the life experiences that he had. So my job is to say, well, if you've got that much energy, let's try to distribute it through the whole structure of the body. So here I just gently um, release his neck a little bit. Okay, tell him, take a deep breath and relax. It's all I'm doing. And so I'm gonna try to move that tremor mechanism up his body, okay? And that's what I'm explaining to the group. So here I just do a little release in his neck, and this is sort of like a cranial sacral intervention. You don't have to be trained to do it. You could have your your spouse or your partner just hold your head, but it's making a connection between the upper part of the spine and the lower part of the spine where I know he has lots of energy, okay? So now I'm going to have him then uh, reactivate the shaking mechanism again, and then see if we can figure out how do we bring it up the body. Now, this whole thing, I'm instructing people. That's why um, I'm taking my time. Now, watch this. I did nothing but pull gently on his neck. And here comes that delicate pulsation in his feet.
0: Mm. So I
1: know that I connected all the ways down to his feet because there are fascia patterns that do that. And all I did was gently pull on the neck to say, why don't you sort of slowly activate yourself and come on up the body? That's my translator there. And so here, that's where I saw that looks like that's where the tremor mechanism or the inhibition of the tremor mechanism is strongest. And that's just from observing his body just because I've had a lot of experience doing it. So I inhibit that section of the body right there. That's the point where I'm going to inhibit or uh, not allow the tremor mechanism to move through there. I'm going to force it to go somewhere else. Okay, you can oh, see yeah.
0: you can see he's smiling for the people watching. You see he's smiling; his eyes are open. He's like, "This is crazy, right?" That's oh like- yeah, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and young guys like this. I'm not sure why, but they like the idea of something's happening to them. That's kind of it feels, in a sense, playful. Yeah, it does feel dangerous. playful,
0: and yeah. it feels good actually too. Like it feels like your body is like doing what it needs. It feels very natural after you get past the mental part of like, Oh, this is crazy. This is happening. But then it also feels, it starts to feel good actually.
1: Yeah. And I think that Nathan, the reason for that, it feels natural because it is natural. Although the ego doesn't know it in the cortex, the human organism says, Oh, thank goodness. This is what I've been waiting for. You're giving me a chance to use all of my possibilities and my capabilities and so then it gets really exciting and you say you like it and it's pleasurable. Yeah. But look what happened when I inhibited the blockage and and encouraged the tremors to come up his body. Now you see he's starting to pulsate with aliveness. So I'm just checking with him. Are you okay? Is this all right for you? And he's <laughs> laughing at me like, yeah, this is weird, <laughs> but it's not a problem. See? And so then then the, the whole organism starts to pulsate to aliveness. This is exciting when this happens to somebody who's in a freeze response and doesn't know it. And certainly for refugees, they're all in this experience. And now he just lays there. And within 20 minutes, he just came to life and he's all excited about he's laughing because his shoulders are moving. He doesn't understand it. But like you said, it feels good. It feels weird, but it feels good.
0: Now, let me pause that for a second. Let's say someone has, let's say someone like me, right? Um, Let's say you're an athlete or you're someone 50, 60, 70. You have chronic pain or chronic tightness in one area of your body. Like I have this chronic tightness in my pec um, and into my shoulder. And, you know, we're still working on like with my physical therapist, for example, we're trying lots of different things to kind of try to get to the root of it and help release that tightness from stretching and mobility to, you know, different kinds of exercises to myofascial release, you know, and it's, and I've actually been working on that for a few years now, um, with, I would say, um, from the shoulder injury, tremendous results, but from the chronic tightness that's been there a long time, very little progress. So is TRE something, let's say someone's got chronic back pain or chronic tightness in their hips or their knees or like in this case, my shoulder and chest. Is TRE something that by itself can completely eliminate that tightness
1: 100%? Well, that's a little bit um, complex to answer. But I, my baseline is if there's no permanent damage the tremor mechanism should be able to help you get through it. What kind um, of
0: permanent damage would be restrictive?
1: Uh, uh, well, if you've had um, like a, um, a fused spine, as an example, okay. or, you know, you've, you've got uh, rods in your shoulder, as an example, and that inhibits the movement different than just tight muscle or fascia.
0: Yeah, if okay. it's, if it's more muscle, fascia, tendon, yeah. ligament, whatever.
1: But Um, see, I also like doing this in conjunction with physical therapists and chiropractors and massage therapists. And what I would challenge you to do, since your physical therapist may be open to it, lay down and tremor before he starts manipulating your shoulder. mm. See, because the tremor mechanism is going to react to that and potentially respond to it. Because most of the people in Finland, who are TRE providers, are physical therapists. That's their sort of baseline thing. And they've had tremendous results using TRE in the physical therapy manipulation of the human body. So it can work really well in conjunction with these other methods, because the tremor mechanism is the natural mechanism of the human organism, but you're having external interventions, which I did some on you as well. And my external interventions assisted the tremor mechanism to move through your body.
0: So let's say in that case, let's say, you know, tremoring, get it up to the shoulders. Like what would the physical therapist do at that point to the shoulder or whatever joint? He would
1: Just simply massage the pec muscle that you think is tight and actually move the structure. But he would do it very, very slowly because, and I mean, minuscule slow. Because what may happen is the tremor mechanism may start to move up the structure the same way I loosened your right shoulder a little bit just by pushing into it yeah was enough to get it to release yeah you just stuck, bit, you
0: just stuck your fingers basically under my shoulder blade where the you know the muscle was tight right there, just right. basically just pressed under the shoulder blade for i don 't know twenty thirty seconds and then yeah. let go and then. Within a minute, like that tremor was all the way up in my right shoulder.
1: Exactly. (laughs) It's kind of funny. We even laugh when we talk about it because it's weird. It's really weird, but it's amazingly normal for the human body to do it. So I've just learned all you have to do is just contact that tight point. Like you saw me doing the legs of that refugee. I did it in your back. I found Mm. the tight spot poked it for 20 seconds, let go. And the tremor mechanism now was sort of instructed in some way to move up to there, or it was able to move up to there because we created as a minor release actually. And then all of a sudden it takes over by itself. And so, and for in your case and, and many other people, if we can get that right shoulder to move more and more and stronger, it should start to inform the left shoulder because they'll try to balance each other out. And that left shoulder, if it's informed by the right shoulder, will actually try to imitate the movement of the right shoulder.
0: Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At HealingLife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors and survivors exclusive interviews that i have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online they're only available at healinglife.net so not only do you get access to all of those but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing and this is available exclusively to healing life members you can try it out for free Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net. .net and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. Mm, fascinating. So, have you seen per so, so you're not saying it 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 can or it does, you know, um uh, get rid of chronic tightness or chronic pain every time, but have you seen it do that in people where they've been yeah. dealing with chronic pain, they do TRE and and like really? their that tightness and pain goes completely goes away like 100%?
1: Yeah, I have a testimonial of, of a soldier who said his back pain was so severe for almost, I think it was 15 years. <clears throat> and he said, because his back pain was so severe, he could never stand on both feet. He could stand put the pressure on one foot or the other. And he just did TRE for like 20 minutes and stood up and said, this is the first time I've stood on both my feet in over 15 years. I'm editing that video now, I'll be putting that up, but I get that a lot. I've had chronic tension. Women who may have trouble birthing children, as an example, maybe they have an epidural or it was done by C-section. They'll often have tightness in their pelvis that's been there for years and they can do TRE once or twice and all of that just goes away. So it's really interesting. In one way, chronic tension is a serious problem, but in other ways for the human body, It doesn't seem to be as serious because it seems to be able to get rid of it using its own natural mechanism.
0: Mm, That's yeah, that's really fascinating. So you were telling me a story about um, or I think you were telling our group at the Holistic Leadership Council about um, you were in in another country where the women were giving birth standing up and one woman on each arm. Can you tell that again? Because I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, when I was in Africa and I was working with a group of midwives, actually. And um, so they were all laying on the floor and they were tremoring together. They, they, we were just doing the regular exercises. But what was really cool and I love is the one woman shouted out, push, mama, push. And I didn't know why she said that. And all the other women were laughing. So obviously I was the odd man out of this thing. But it was 50 midwives, they were a delight, I enjoyed them. So after we were done, I said, why did you say that? And she said, oh, we tremor like this all the time when we give birth. And so what they do is when they give birth, they use three midwives, one under each arm, holding the mother, she's standing and birthing the child, not laying down. And the third midwife is there to receive the child. Now, what fascinated me is when the child is born, The midwife who receives it takes it away, cleans it up and does all that stuff. But the woman who birthed that child stands with the support of the other two midwives until she stops tremoring because her birthing process is not over until the tremors stop because they believe that that's part of the mother's birthing process. And she needs to go through that because the contraction and expansion was really intense. And it created this excited charge. And until her charge is completely um, back to normal, she's not done birthing. That's the first time I ever heard that there's two different birthing processes for the child and for the mother. And I found it fascinating. And what I loved about it was that they understood this tremor mechanism as purely natural and common sense. They weren't trained in the, quote, Western world. And so they just followed the natural organismic response of birthing a child.
0: Hmm. It's amazing what happens as we, quote, unquote, evolve, (laughs) where we think we're becoming more and more intelligent in our ways. And then we discover, you know, our ancestors hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, already understood this stuff. And we're doing all kinds of things like this, whether it was energy healing or meditation, or in this case, you know, uh, tremoring is a natural way to release trauma and tightness in the body, where we think that we've evolved to this really advanced intelligent species because we don't do those things anymore. You know, (laughs) we're we're beyond that. And then, in fact, learn, actually, no, this is part of our nature, it works incredibly well. It's very important for us to do. And actually, these are the things that we need to do to keep ourselves healthy.
1: What fascinated me, because I've lived in, what, nine countries, and most of them are what we would call developing nations or third world countries. And I loved living with them because they still lived from a body-based perspective. They didn't live from their heads. They lived according to what was more natural and Ancient in some ways. And so they really kept pulling me back down into my body to be alive down here rather than being alive up here. And it was an amazing experience uh, that changed the way I live on the planet. Mm. And it was more embracing the way they live on the planet because it was so just so much more natural and real and seem to be honest to the human body.
0: I want to go to another video from your YouTube. I remember seeing this one after we did, uh, after I did the first session with you and you said, go watch this video. This is an athlete. I think this was an athlete or free runner, right? Yeah. English free runner. He said, this is potentially what we can get to up into your shoulders. And I watched this and I was like, okay. Cause the first session was like, it was just my legs. Right. And it wouldn't go beyond my legs. Right. And then by the Fourth session, it was like full on up and down the body everywhere. But when I saw this, I just thought, wow, this is so, so fascinating what happens. I'm going to play it. Maybe you can talk through it a little bit.
1: So that the way his pelvis is moving is through the psoas muscle, which is in the front there. But it's trying to help loosen his lower back. So this is actually moving itself. He's talking about it, but it looks like he could be moving it. But he's not, as you well know. But what happens is once that pelvis releases, the pelvic girdle, remember, it's got to somehow reconnect with the shoulder girdle as a new um, anatomical connection because the pelvis is now different than it was before. So you're going to watch this guy do this release. He's talking about how this feels sexual, actually. It does only because it's the psoas muscle, which is the muscle we use for the sexual movement right there. The shoulders connected with the pelvis. And now you see this movement going on through the whole torso. It's the abdominal muscles pulling the body. Only <laughs> like this for a that, little bit.
0: That looks so crazy for someone that's not experienced it. You're like, what is this guy? This guy's possessed? What is going on?
1: <laughs> I get that all the time. Are they possessed? Is this, is this a satanic ritual? No, they don't do that, but they always <laughs> want to know: is it possessed? No uh, look at this is a human organism see we have to think of ourselves as a big complex amoeba it just moves itself back into a healthy realignment his lower back slowly settles onto the floor and then he talks about what that experience was like
0: now talking about where the you know trauma stores in the body the tightness that happens Do you find that in in the fascial patterns that run through the body? I mean, the more you understand the physiology, you understand you've seen images of fascia, you understand kind of how fascia works, you know, with and as it gets tight and stuck, it kind of like it's supposed to kind of glide. You know, the muscles should kind of glide over like this, but often it kind of ends up like this, right, where it's tight and things can't move well. Like all of this starts to make so much more sense why TRE is so effective for people Um, But if you don't, you you haven't researched that, you haven't looked into it, you don't really understand it or even understand what the fascia is or what it does, some of this could be kind of confusing. And then also, and so I want, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about that. What is the fascia and why, why is it so relevant in what's happening here? And then also, is the tightness actually stuck in the fascia itself? Is it more in the muscles? Is it a combination of both? Um, and then the third thing that I'm thinking of as well. So it's kind of a lot to ask in one question, but is is the electrical nature of the body, right? Mm-hmm. How we, how we are energy. Our body is electric. We have electricity running through us, and magnetism running through every cell of our bodies, and how this is like. Um, I almost see it as as an electrical. Stimulation, like it looks like E-stim. If you anybody who's ever put e any athlete or yes. anybody with you know muscle atrophy has ever used E-stim, it's the same thing. um yes. And in Qigong, there's actually a practice that you do in Qigong, which is a five thousand plus year old practice that we do, which is kind of you 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 activate shaking within the body, but you do it intentionally. You move it yourself, right. but they knew thousands of years ago, that activating that intentional shaking has tremendous benefit on the physiology of the body. Um, So if you don't mind talking a little bit about the fascia and the fascial patterns and why this is so effective with fascia.
1: Okay, I'm going to start backwards because I want to make a comment about this idea of energy. So we know that the Eastern traditions have always seen the body as energy. There's kundalini from the Hindu tradition, their chakras and um, um, acupuncture points, et cetera. When I was in China and I was working with the earthquake survivors in Sichuan province, I went over to the um, National Institute for Chinese Medicine and I taught a group of medical doctors there. They're about 15 and they did TRE and they were absolutely stunned. But what I loved about it is when they sat up, they just looked at me and said, How interesting. You found a new way. You found a Western way to move chi Mm. through their own body and their own body's intervention. So we know how to inhabit our bodies rather than taking this to um, therapeutic um, processes that cost money and you think it's a professional and only they can do it. That paradigm doesn't work anymore. We have too much going on on the planet for the paradigm of professionalism to be the only way for us to access our human body.
0: Yeah, I love that you have made this so accessible and and empower people to do this on their own. Right. Yes, they can go to I know you um, there's a nonprofit who uh, trains providers in TRE so people can find a provider and and guide them through it, which I think is valuable for at least your first few sessions you know, is to get some guidance, get a provider guiding you um, because you have questions and they can, you know, help you through some of the challenges. But I love how you've made it so accessible to everybody. You're like, look, everyone should know how to do this and can do it. And you can actually do it quite easily. I guess the question I have is, what about people with deep rooted traumas? Maybe it's PTSD. Maybe, you know, there was a traumatic childhood adverse events or molestation or, you know, seeing a parent killed things that are just deep traumas that people haven't resolved, unresolved childhood adverse events and traumas. When people do TRE or tension release exercises, do those traumas come through emotionally? And is there a concern if so, people doing this on their own, if those, you know, emotional, um, traumatic experiences come up through the the physical engagement.
1: Perfect. Okay. So absolutely, if there is unresolved psycho-emotional connection to the chronic tension pattern that's being held in the structure, if I start to loosen or the body starts to loosen that defensive pattern that was built in, in childhood, as an example, and there's still emotional content, those will directly connect. That's the good thing, that they do do that the side that they have to be careful of is is that connection overwhelming for them. And if so, then very much, they want somebody to be with them. Sometimes they might need a professional to do it. So they want somebody to be with them that simply provides safety and connection to the present moment. Because if we get connected emotionally to a past, that means part of our brain is not in the present moment. So if a person is overwhelmed and they can't hold a present moment consciousness while they're experiencing a past emotion, then they definitely need somebody to be with them. Now, that's how it's designed in our, quote, Western world. But when we're working in developing nations and we've got thousands of war survivors, etc., of a lot of pain and sadness, what I do is I teach them that if they're laying on the floor and somebody next to them cries, You hold their hand and you in Brazil, it's amazing. They start singing a song as soon as somebody cries and Mm. they create that connection as a community because they're healing as a community. We don't do that so much in our, our Western world, which is really sad that we're not healing as a family, as an example or as a community or as an association. Um, But yes, In our understanding, you definitely need somebody if you cannot um, uh, maintain a state of presence while you're having an emotional discharge. If it's overwhelming to you, then definitely you should get somebody that you feel safe and comfortable with to guide you through that. So to
0: guide you through it, I mean, it could be a TRE provider, but could it just be, I know you really love couples doing this together. Could it just be your partner who's there, like you said, just holding your hand and just being there for support?
1: What a person needs is safety when they're accessing these emotions from the past. If they can get that safety from their partner or spouse or even a close friend, then that's fine. Now, we don't want to turn the partner, spouse, or close friend into a therapist. So that would be people who say, I just need you to hold me. And this is so funny. I'm going to tell a little story. I'm working with a couple, man and wife, married couple, lovely couple. She starts crying. And he looks at me and says, what do I do? <laughs> and I thought that was so funny because that, uh, sadly, that's our culture. I said, just hold her. (laughs) She doesn't need anything but your nice, warm embrace. And so he holds her, she cries and gets through it. And it's over. See, so he's not being her therapist. But I thought it was so funny that he didn't know what to do when she cried as though there's some therapeutic wisdom i should have just provide safety that's (laughs) like
0: you're like just give her a hug and tell her you love her and everything's gonna be okay (laughs) yeah
1: because when you're dealing look at this if you're dealing with people who've got really financial restrictions they don't have access to therapists or counselors who do they have to rely on themselves and what can we do teach them how to rely on themselves that's empowerment
0: Have you seen things as profound as um, like uh, addictions go away with TRE? Have you seen anything like that, whether it's addiction or addictive behaviors or behavior pattern changes in people?
1: Yeah, definitely addictive behaviors kind of go away and addictive patterns go away. But I've worked with people with all types of addictions from chemicals of some sort. And, the thing that TRE does is it helps them go back into their body because usually using some sort of chemical addiction is because the brain is going crazy. Right. And people went out of their brain. Exactly. But that means it's not connected to the body. See? And if I can get the brain connected back into the body and they can feel pulsation and aliveness from here, this starts informing them which calms down the anxiety in the brain. Now, having said that, I have a lot of people who have used this, who've been addicted to drugs or alcohol, and they say this actually helped them get over that. Others go back and forth still because the addiction is still too strong or what's going on in their head is still too strong. And so they like TRE, they know that it helps them, but it hasn't been able to push them over the hump to really get off of it. But having said that, there was a, there is a place in Colorado. It's a rehab center for drug and alcohol addiction. And they use this regularly. And the participants absolutely love it. Because they can feel, they get to feel their bodies because drug and alcohol numbs, numbs us out. So these receptors in the human organism aren't signaling to the brain the way they should be. And so we actually feel Disconnected from us, which is what we want. As a, that's the ultimate result of healing, is I'm reconnected to myself again.
0: Yeah, I'm always interested to learn about new, you know, um, mental, emotional, and physical healing modalities, as well as uh, things that can help us deal with unresolved trauma. Um, I, as you know, I work with a lot of cancer patients. I, I'm, you know, certified holistic cancer coach. I do a lot of coaching. I do a lot of research, uh, create programs and, and services and support groups and coaching and so on for people struggling with cancer. And one of the common, common things that we have found with cancer patients is almost always unresolved trauma and childhood adverse events. And, you know, we know, biologically, that those unresolved traumas can actually lead to not just behaviors that, you know, addictive behaviors and so forth, whether it's sugar, it's sex, it's alcohol, it's drugs, but can also lead to um, chronic inflammation in the body and can lead to cancer. So the behaviors can lead to cancer, but also just the unresolved trauma itself can lead to cancer through a number of different ways, as I mentioned early on, neuropeptides being stored in the body, created chronic inflammation. But then also the constant underlying, low-grade stress and anxiety in life that's always in the background that's oftentimes putting people into a continuous sympathetic nervous system state, where their body is always in this fight-or-flight mode, even if it's like, you know, a flame. That's just burning in the background. It's not a huge raging fire all the time, though. All it takes is a trigger and it turns into a raging fire. But it's this flame that's burning people up from the inside. I've seen it again and again, where people are just constantly living in this stressed out, anxious state that if they don't know, don't realize that that stress literally inhibits it down regulates your immune system and the immune system is essential for fighting off cancer and other chronic diseases so this one of the core solutions we teach cancer patients is and this is for everybody whether you have cancer or not is how to get yourself into a parasympathetic nervous system state as often as possible and there's a lot of great ways to do that meditation qigong gratitude practices High intensity exercise, which actually gets you into a little bit of a sympathetic, but the the adaptation response from that intense exercise, and then the hours afterwards of the dopamine release into the body actually puts you into that parasympathetic state um, and helps you to um, helps your body to heal parasympathetic for people who don 't know is rest and digest. It is rejuvenation. It is your body going into repair mode. And that's what you need when fighting cancer or any chronic inflammatory metabolic related disease. And so, you know, being in that parasympathetic, which upregulates your immune system, it turns on your body's ability to fight off pathogens and viruses as well as uh, cancer cells. We need that as often as possible. And so, you know, something like TRE that can help people get to some of the root cause of these, these traumatic experiences, um, not to mention the other, you know, benefits that come with it is, is really interesting to me because it's so accessible to people and you don't necessarily have to go into the story of the trauma, though what I hear you saying is that can come up naturally for people when practicing TRE.
1: Well, the story could come up because um, I've worked with many women who have been sexually abused as children, but they went through lots of psychotherapy. But then when they did TRE and they usually came to me saying, I've done all the counseling. I know everything, but there's something still wrong. It's still in the structure. Mm. So they'll release it from the pelvis and they'll be able to say, oh my God, that is the abuse. There's no emotional content anymore. They're able to actually able to say, Yes, that's what it comes from, but it's no longer connected to any emotional content. That's the real key here. A memory is different from an emotion, so you could have a memory and that you could actually have the memory of the and being in the present moment. But if you have an emotion that carries you into the past and you lose your connection to the present moment, that's when you need some sort of guidance or connection with somebody else. Therapeutic, if necessary, to keep you in the present moment, because that emotion will discharge as quickly and easily as the tremor mechanism does, discharge tension patterns. It's only looking for a way to get out, basically. And so crying might be the way to get out, because crying mm. is pulsation of the diaphragm. But somebody could cry for a minute and say, Oh, that felt great. I don't need to cry anymore. I'm done. It's gone.
0: Yeah, and some people could cry for hours and still not have cried enough.
1: Right, and so then they break that down into small pieces because that trauma could be very real to them still in their body. And so they cry, but they need to cry is the whole point. See, but they need to cry, I always feel, with the tremor mechanism activated because the tremor mechanism is as organic as the diaphragm pulsating in what we call crying. We need the organic mechanisms in the human body to be operating completely functionally. And they work together to release the traumas from the past. And that's what this tremor mechanism is missing.
0: Now, isn't this, didn't I hear you say that um, neurogenic tremors, which is basically what this is, right? Mm -hmm. In In the conventional modern day medical system are frowned upon. And in fact, if you have neurogenic tremors, like in, the hospital, for example, they give you drugs to stop it. They say, "Oh, this is bad." They want to stop it. Is that true? And and if so, why? Yeah, is there's
1: a couple of things like this. That one, if you look up neurogenic tremors and all the research on it, it's done. The research was done through dysfunctional behaviors of the body, like if you tremor, if you have Parkinson's disease, or there are over 15 different forms of neurogenic tremors. Um, You could have postural tremors, um, tremors from alcohol release as an example. Now that's a discharge as well, but what hasn't been researched is natural tremors. And so natural tremors, like we would already talked about a woman giving birth, it is absolutely natural for the woman's body to begin to tremor either before, during or after birthing. That's absolutely normal. See, but even medical hospitals don't understand that this is normal and Certainly, uh, this is sad, but when I worked with a lot of veterans and they go to the VA, if they tremor, the VA will give them medication to stop the tremor, which is the very thing their body needs to get out of the post-traumatic stress that they're going to the VA hospital to deal with in the first place. So there's, without question, a confusion about the healthy benefits of neurogenic tremors, and they have not been researched
0: so this so, so you don't know any research yet to date on the the benefits of natural tremors, like what t r e is
1: no, not that I've been able to read. Uh, I can only find research around tremors from these diseases or illnesses that I spoke to you about
0: but so free so this is i mean truly, this is like pioneering work because certainly someone needs to you know, get together the funding and the team to do scientific research on this because of how many firsthand case studies that you've seen of incredibly positive benefits. Um, Yeah, I guess the question is, have you seen I mean, you know, those are those are all anecdotal, of course, but when you have hundreds, if not thousands of positive anecdotes, that's certainly more than enough to conduct research on it. We just know how expensive and time consuming that is. So hopefully somebody does the research on it.
1: Absolutely, we do need money, and we do need time and and professional researchers to do this because on our website, you can find a whole bunch of research that's been done, but it's always sort of psycho emotional this person you know got through this issue, or these ten people I work with had these results, but we need maybe blood tests as an example to demonstrate what it's doing, or we need to um use vibrational um um Regulators to understand what is the intensity of the vibration, does that make a difference? And all of that is exorbitantly expensive I, one I had one person say, if you could do just one cat scan, so I went to a hospital and I said, "I will pay you ten thousand dollars that's how much it costs for the cat scan. One cat scan, ten thousand dollars. I want a person just to lay flat and you scan their brain, activate the tremors, scan their brain and lay them flat again, and scan their brain, and see what changes in the brain as a result of it tremoring. There has to be some sort of change. They thought I was odd, and so they didn't let me do it. But and that's the type of research that we need to prove it to the medical field. Because they, they don't want just nice things that somebody claimed, oh, this was good, and it made me feel good afterwards. They want to know medically. Well, know even
0: that. so, I just so at... Uh, This is the nonprofit website, right? Traumaprevention.com under research. I mean, you do have a ton of publications on here on stress reduction. Yeah. And they're from
1: around the world. We have research being done all over the world, see. And some of it's been published, but we still don't have like a definitive uh, research that medical science would accept.
0: Sure. And now is this something you guys are doing more like can people donate to the nonprofit to contribute towards higher level research to be done?
1: We're not. Well, yes, if they wanted to do that, we could, but we really don't have the the researches pulled together. And to do this kind of research, you need to be attached either to a hospital or usually to a university. Those are the two places where you can get the type of research done that you need.
0: This one looks really fascinating. Department of Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury, Mind-Body Skills for Regulating the Autonomic Nervous System. Is this something you guys did with the DOD? I
1: did this with the DOD, yes.
0: Oh, wow. And what was, what was the result of this?
1: Well, scroll down. I think I, I – oh, this might be the whole long one. Um, it's I can just- go down
0: to the um... – Uh I didn't see the abstract. There's the one
1: top. place that has TRE in it, and they tell you what the results were for it. But basically, the result is it was positive, but it needs continued research to prove its effectiveness.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, you know, It's so many things that are so beneficial. They're like, yeah, it was great, but we still need more research. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it healed this thing, yeah. and this person's <laughs> right. disease went away, and their life is better, and they have no more stress, and da 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 it it, you know, 12 people and, and there was replicated. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, that's, that's science.
1: And that's science. It's extremely expensive and takes a long time. And like I said, right. you really do need professional researchers to do this um, because research as that one researcher told me it's very unforgiving. You cannot make a mistake. There you go. There's TRE. Yeah. So they I'll actually they job. actually
0: measured it across thirteen other different modalities yeah. from diaphragmatic breathing to yoga to yoga nidra, MMFT. Okay, so really interesting the effects to compare. are
1: reported, yeah, as being useful. And then all they say is that it's positive. It showed that there was value in it. Yep. It now needs additional research. Um, before it can be imp- implemented sort of like yoga as an example look how long it took to get that into the military right. been around for over 100 years in the U.S. and only in the past 10 or maybe 20 years did uh, military accept it as beneficial for soldiers
0: now you've been working with military all over the world with TRE right with soldiers and je- you were telling me a story about a general who um, yeah. brought this, it into it, the soldiers yeah.
1: Yes, they love it, actually. The soldiers love it. There's no question about it. And for two reasons, they don't have to talk about their trauma. They don't want to talk about it. And I understand because I've heard some of their stories and I've lived in war. They're not pleasant to to even recount them. But it immediately, because you only have one chance with the soldier, which I love, you have one chance. If you can't do something to that soldier that they don't understand how you did it, they'll never come back. See, because if they're able to be in control, then you've done nothing for them. And so I've worked with like Navy SEALs and Marines and Army Rangers, and I know I have one chance with them. It's sort of like working with you tight, tough body, really strong. I got to make an impact fast. And then that soldier will come back. And then I teach soldiers how to do it in a buddy system because soldiers really do believe, and some of it is true, only another soldier can understand them. Mm. A therapist who's never been to war, who never did that kind of fighting, who never maybe killed somebody or watched their best friend be killed, they don't understand what I'm going through. They're right about that.
0: So if people want to um, learn this themselves individually. I know now at this stage of your career, you're primarily working with groups, groups of people, organizations, you know, whether it's online or in person, right? So if they want to get in touch with you for groups, they can just go to your website or what's the best place for people to get in touch with you if they have a group where they want to bring this into. Um, and then if people want to just experience it for themselves individually, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah. Okay. So if they want to do it individually, they're going to go to com, which is the website of the nonprofit. And right there, it says find a provider. That's what we call them. And so then you can click on that. And then you can put in uh, certain things, a location, as an example, because we're all over the world. So you can put in where you want to go, what state or what country you're in. And you can find numerous providers. And then you just contact the one you feel most comfortable with by reading their their bio. Um, If they want to get in touch with me, they can get in touch with with me directly through dave at traumaprevention.com. But I don't take on individual clients anymore. I will help groups understand how to work with groups um, together. And even then, I might find a provider or a trainer who's better fitted for what they need. And that way I can refer them on to somebody um, that would be most useful for them. Got it. Well,
0: I, uh, I'm glad I learned about uh, TRE. I'm glad I got to meet you and experience this firsthand. And I'm excited to see as I continue to implement it, you know, from my own body, my own life to see the transformations that happen. So I know that the four times I've done it so far, I've seen progress each time. I felt great afterwards. The first time I did it, I think I told you, you know, it was mostly kind of in the knees and the hips a little bit. And the next day I went into a CrossFit class where we had to do uh, single arm overhead dumbbell snatches, which for anybody who doesn't know what that movement is, it's a highly mobility demanding movement where you have to get into a deep squat with your arm overhead, you know, your, your hips below your knees. So deep squat overhead single arm. It's like one of the hardest movements to do. Uh, for flexibility and mobility demands um, with the hips specifically, and I've kind of avoided that movement over the years, um, just because it's it's such a high demand on the hips, and um, you know all around, all around the hips for yeah. for mobility. But that next day, I went in and we had like sixty of those we had to do, and it was amazing actually that we did. I did T R E that day before because when I went in, it was like I felt like my hips were more open than they've ever been after just one session and I was able to do like 60 of those with a 50 pound dumbbell pretty much with no problem. And I was like, you know, I, th- I thought about it after I was like, if I had to do these without having loosened up my hips the day before with TRE, I probably would not have been able to do them. Or I would have been in a lot of pain after because it would have just pushed, right. you know, the tightness was there. It was like, I had tightness in my hips. I didn't even know I had, you know?
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the key. We don't know we have it and the tremor mechanism knows it's there, finds it, and releases it and What you just said, Nathan, is what all fitness people tell me, and this is why it should be in a fitness program because it actually gives you an edge up it you tighten your muscles during the fitness training, but then there's got to be a release mechanism so that they can continue to pulsate, and like you said, they spread out and they breathe rather than being tucked stuck tightly like that, and so fitness people would do really well to include this in their fitness program. Mm.
0: Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for the time. Uh, thanks for your you know, dedication and passion and commitment to helping humanity. I know how much you deeply care about helping people. I see it firsthand. You just want to get this out to as many people as possible. So um, I hope everyone tuning in actually goes and tries this. And whether dot tr- com, go to Dave's uh, YouTube, go to his website, Email him if you want to get in touch with him about working, uh, bringing this into groups, whatever kind of group you might have. Um, I see so much benefit for all kinds of people all over the world, from athletes to, you know, chronic pain to people dealing with uh, traumatic PTSD, traumatic issues, uh, tightness, everything. There's so much benefit uh, available to people. So um, I hope people go and try it. And uh, Dave, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here.
1: Thanks, Nathan. It was fun talking to you again. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to nathancrane.com for your free ebook.
0: So, when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them.
1: In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling Uh, back and forth, and it's like sort of a a yin and yang. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful for what you have achieved.